We are now going to turn to Joshua chapter 1. It's on page 210 in your Bible. If you want to put your bulletin in there, we will get to the scripture a little bit later as I hope to unpack what we're going to be doing for the next five weeks. I'm very excited to jump in to the book of Joshua with you. For this month of August, we will be doing a series, an abbreviated series, through Joshua. And the series title is Forward by Faith. We're going to look at a man who moves forward by faith into unknown territory. Before we do that, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pray that you would open our eyes to see your word. We pray that you would open our ears so that we would hear your voice in the midst of these pages. We thank you that we have the ability to read your word and understand it. And as we read about your people, we know that they are our ancestors, as you have adopted us and called us your own. Give us a spirit that seeks to write your word upon our hearts. And I pray that your spirit would rest upon me as I bring the good news of your gospel to your people. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Today is an exciting day, like I said earlier, as we are going to embark on a sermon series together through the book of Joshua. And while we will be spending time today in Joshua chapter 1, my hope is to unpack what we're going to be looking at. This man named Joshua. Now, as most of you know, or maybe you'll find out real soon, uh, when you're doing a sermon series, especially a historical narrative sermon series, we got to unpack some things and lay some groundwork before we get going. The book of Joshua is recounting Israel's journey as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. The book of Joshua begins on the banks of the Jordan as Israel is preparing. And we are going to be talking about the successor to Moses, who is Joshua, son of Nun. Moses was God's servant and the primary focus from Exodus 3 all the way to Deuteronomy 34. And while the Lord may bury his workers, his work continues on, and now Joshua is set to take the lead. Before we get to our text, we will look at Joshua in five portraits, five areas of Joshua's life that gives us a clue to who he is. The first, Joshua was a slave. He was a slave in Egypt. He belonged to the tribe of Ephraim, and he was firstborn of the son of Nun. He was there. He was in Egypt. Joshua witnessed the miraculous wonders of the Lord. The plagues that God performed against the gods of Egypt. And Joshua's life was in danger that night of the Passover, as he was the firstborn. He would have witnessed the flight out of Egypt. He would have witnessed the parting of the Red Sea, walking through it on dry ground. Joshua saw the wonders of the Lord on display, and his faith was cemented in the God who saves. The second area, the second portrait we're going to look at, Joshua was a soldier. His first official victory was at the Battle of Amalek described in Exodus 17. One commentator notes that while Joshua was especially gifted by the Lord, heavenly gifts must be developed in an earthly setting. Joshua's ability to command soldiers and to fight had to be nurtured and grown before he would be ready to lead Israel as its commander. 
Now, Joshua is hailed by Christians and non-Christians alike as the greatest military commander in all of history. He took overwhelming odds, battles he should not have taken because his numbers were too small, and yet he continued to win. Joshua didn't fear the enemy. He feared the Lord, and he knew the Lord would bring victory. The third area, the third portrait of Joshua we're going to look at. Joshua was a servant. He was a servant to Moses. He is called that in Exodus 24. He went with Moses to the mountain. He stood by Moses when Moses made his proclamations. And he was even there next to Moses when Moses judged Israel for the golden calf. God didn't just bless Joshua with great battle skills. But he invited Joshua to learn more about the holy God he was serving. And as we progress through the life of Joshua, you will see that it's not the strength of his sword arm that gives him fame, but his steadfast reliance on the word of God. Joshua stuck by Moses and even guarded the tent that Moses used to communicate with the Lord. The fourth area, Joshua was a spy. Joshua was one of the twelve spies who were sent into the promised land to spy it out, to view what it was like, to see what the people looked like who lived there. And as the spies returned, it was Joshua and Caleb who had a favorable report. They brought a favorable report to the congregation of Israel. Unfortunately, the congregation of Israel listened to the ten spies who brought an unfavorable report, the ones who were afraid. And as the people of Israel begin to grumble at this point and even want to elect a leader amongst themselves to bring them back to, England, to Egypt, where they would be in slavery, we see this in Numbers 14, verses 6 through 9. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. This story... This moment in Joshua's life gives us a glimpse at his character. Joshua wasn't blind to the realities of battle. He knew the people in Canaan were strong. But instead of worrying about the people he was going to fight, he puts his faith and trust in the Lord, who he knows is going to bring them through this. He wasn't afraid to stand against the majority. He even puts his life on the line because in the very next sentence and uh, verses leading on, the congregation wants to stone him and Aaron and Moses and Caleb. But the Lord stands with the faithful ones. Joshua and Caleb gave up 40 years in the promised land because of the unfaithlessness of the Israelites. But they hoped in their God and they knew that their promised inheritance would come. One commentator says, I have a suspicion that Joshua and Caleb met each other regularly and encouraged each other. As the time of their inheritance drew near, 
Day after day, for 40 years, they saw the older generation die off, but each day brought them closer to Canaan. Joshua and Caleb had been through a lot together. They were spies together. They were soldiers together. It wouldn't be far-fetched to think that they met regularly to encourage each other. We see this throughout Scripture. People of faith gather together with those whom they love, with those whom they go through life together with. People that they can study with, they can learn with, they can grow with. People they can encourage each other. Jonathan and David, Elijah and Elisha, Christ and his disciples. Thankfully, God designed us to be relational beings. And we relate to one another in this way. Now, the fifth and final area, it's probably going to start with an S you're thinking. Joshua is the successor. During many battles with Israel, Moses used those victories to encourage Joshua. As Moses is nearing the end of his life, he begs the Lord, please let me go and see the land. Let me cross the river. But the Lord says no. But the Lord does say that he can see it. So he tells Moses to climb a rock. And Moses climbs the rock and looks out into the promised land. He may not enter it, but he sees it. And then God commands Moses in Deuteronomy 3, verse 28. But charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of the land that you see. And just a little bit later, Deuteronomy 31, verses 7 and 8, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Joshua is named as Moses' successor. He's the one who's going to lead the people. And God demands that his people respect the leaders that he rises up. And so, Moses brings Joshua to the front of the people. And then recounts the law to all the people. And in a showing of awesome encouragement, they acknowledge Joshua as the leader of Israel. And just before Joshua is set to lead, in Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. The power and the authority has been transferred to Joshua from Moses. And in a strong showing of faith, the people acknowledge that Joshua is their leader. A slave, a soldier, a spy, a servant, and a successor. The five portraits of Joshua show his growth from humble beginnings. He couldn't have known what his life would have been like when he was in Egypt. Now, with that better understanding, with that picture of this man, we're going to pick up his story In chapter 1, page 210 in your Bible, I'll be reading from the ESV. I think you have the ESV as well. And as you're turning there, let us remember that from Genesis to Revelation, this is God's Word. Every word breathed out from God. From the recording of the number of loops in every curtain of the tent of meeting to the depths of the intricacies of the laws of Leviticus. This is the history of the people of God. 
And because we are adopted in Christ, this is our history. These are our people. And so sometimes when we read these stories, there may be things that we zone out about or we might think is boring. Not today, of course. But this is our people. This is our history. This is our story. God commissions Joshua here in chapter 1. So I will start at verse 1 and we'll read the entire chapter. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all according to what is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. The land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go, just as we obeyed Moses in all these things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. This is the word of the Lord. To be an encourager is a great and godly calling. Though maybe we're not all called to be the encourager at all times and every moment. But we as a church, we as the body of Christ, must encourage each other. Encouragement is important. Encouragement is the key to living life well. 
Encouragement is also the key to winning a battle. During the wars for their independence, the Scottish lords fought under Robert the Bruce. They faced an English army of 25,000 infantry and 2,000 heavy cavalry at the Battle of Bannockburn. Robert the Bruce had 6,000 troops, less than half of the English troops. A Scottish lord who was fighting for the English defected to Robert the Bruce and brought with him a report. The report was that morale was low in the camp of the English troops. And after being encouraged by his generals and this report, Robert the Bruce pressed the attack. The English were bewildered that the Scots would move forward to attack them, their numbers being so small. But due to the lack of morale and for generals in the English army trying to outdo each other, the English army collapsed and they retreated and retreated and retreated. And the king actually went past his troops trying to find a boat back to England so he would not be killed. The Scottish losses were light and very few. One historian noting that of those who were Scottish knights, they only lost two. Encouragement can turn the tide of the battle, and a lack thereof can cause the battle to be lost before it even begins. And in our text today, we're going to see three things happening. The Lord is going to encourage Joshua, and then Joshua is going to encourage his officers. And then Joshua's officers will encourage Joshua. Lots of encouragement today. Verses 1, 2, and 5. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, and to the people of Israel. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. As Moses died, the mantle is laid upon Joshua. And when God appoints Joshua for this task, he doesn't say, Okay, here you go, Joshua. Have fun. We'll see you later. No, he doesn't do that. He says to Joshua, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to lead you. And as we talked earlier, Joshua was with Moses throughout all of the Exodus and through all the journey in the wilderness. Joshua saw how Moses interacted with the Lord, how he spoke with him daily. For Joshua to hear that the Lord is not going to leave him nor forsake him would have been astounding news. I will never leave you or forsake you. These words bring immense comfort. And we hear them repeated throughout Scripture in one form or another. God promises to never leave you or forsake you. And where God says this to Joshua, Christ says this to his disciples and to us in the Great Commission. As we go through this series, you're going to see many things. But one chief thing you're going to see is Joshua being compared to Christ. We're going to see parallels throughout our time together. God's encouragement to his people is constant throughout the Bible. And we get these famous words in our text today where God encourages Joshua through his promises. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. 
God has promised this since the beginning. In God's covenant with Abraham, God promised that Israel would be in Egypt for 400 years and that they would be oppressed. But after that time, the nation therein would be judged and the people would come out with great possessions. And then they would be brought to a land that is their own, where they will prosper and they will be fruitful and they will multiply. But when we look at actual history from Abraham to Joshua, what do we see? The Israelites are in Egypt. They're there for 400 years as slaves. God defeats each Egyptian god with wonderful and terrible plagues. And when he brings the people out of the land of Egypt, and there are some some wonderful things in the desert and some dreadful things in the desert, he brings the Israelites to the threshold of their inheritance. God keeps his promises, and we can take encouragement from this. And after God encourages through promise, God encourages through the word of the Lord, his own words. Verse 8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God says this to Joshua, but as we read this, this should be encouragement for us too. God's word is holy, and there is a reason why every week we go to the church to sit under the reading and the teaching of the word. And where Joshua gets encouragement from the words of the Lord, so should we. After God encourages Joshua, Joshua then goes to his officers and encourages them. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Joshua gathers his officers together. He says, it's time. Be encouraged. Prepare what you need. It's time. And where we find many great and inspiring speeches throughout history of military commanders, this one is rather short and sweet. All that's need to be said, it's time to go. Now, an interesting thing about the camp and the people of Israel, they were organized in how they set up their camp. And when Joshua has a word for the tribes of Israel, he needs to tell his officers, and then his officers go out to their respective tribes. Word and commands travel fast. Now, one commentator comments that Joshua's command seems a little interesting. Instead of the command to prepare food, we probably would have expected him to say, prepare boats to cross the river. But Joshua didn't try to second-guess God and work things out for himself. He knew that the God who opened the Red Sea could easily open the Jordan River. Joshua knew what the Lord could do. He'd seen what the Lord could do. Parting the Red Sea. I know we talk about parting the Red Sea a lot, but, I mean, that was crazy, right? Stopping a river so that his people could walk across on dry ground. Leading them by a giant cloud, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. If we saw a pillar of fire in the sky, we would be scared. But it brought them comfort. Joshua saw various terrible punishments that the Lord gave to Israel for their disobedience. But he also saw many merciful miracles. 
And Joshua encourages his commanders by telling them exactly what they need to hear and what they need to take care of and leaves out everything else they don't have to worry about. Don't worry about the river. Don't worry about anything else. Prepare, because we're going. Now, I, I want to take a moment here. It's, I want to speak to the tribes that's listed here, the two tribes and the half-tribe. It's in our text today. And when you're preaching through a book of the Bible, you have to talk about certain things. And this is kind of a sad moment. These two tribes and the half-tribe preferred the land that was not in Canaan. It was nicer for their cattle. And unfortunately, it seems they were more worried about making a living than living a life with their brethren and the rest of Israel. These people settled far from their people. They settled far from the place of worship. They even had to erect a monument at the Jordan so their offspring would know they were actually part of Israel. Now, we can draw many conclusions from this. But I think it's wise to say that the two tribes and the half-tribe should have valued the promised land over the grazing land. They should have wanted to take what was promised to them. Instead, they promised to help serve and, and help Israel until the job was done and then go home. Now for us, I think we need to remember that our work on this earth is not finished until the Lord calls us home. We cannot serve and then go back home to do whatever we want. Our life needs to be a life of service. Children of God must remain close to the church and in order that we're strengthened and encouraged to do the work the Lord has set before us. Now that Joshua has been encouraged by the Lord and Joshua has encouraged his officers, we get to the point in our text where Joshua's officers now encourage him. All of Joshua's officers are responding here and address him in verse 16 through 18. And they answer Joshua, All you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you commanded him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Israelites had a problem with rebelling. They like to do that too much. But what faith these men have. These men not only pledge their loyalty to Joshua, but they pray for him. They say, may the Lord your God be with you. These men trusted Joshua and responded to the encouragement he was giving. How wonderful is it when you go to your team and tell them what we're going to do, and then they say back that they're with you, that they're going to stand with you, that they're going to stand beside you, trusting your leadership and your plan. We see the relationship between the people of Israel and Joshua here. They know their history of following leaders is spotty at best, but they're willing to put it all on the line. The people of God are willing to put it all on the line. They're ready to trust the Lord. As I said earlier, before Israel is ready to go into the promised land, the entirety of the law and everything that happened in the wilderness is recounted to them because the people who failed 40 years earlier all died, except for Joshua and Caleb. And it was recounted to the next generation so that they would not make the same mistakes. Now the story of Joshua 1 
is a story of encouragement. It's very clear when you read it, the, the message pops out to you, be strong and courageous. And as we progress through the account of Joshua, we're going to see God's people move forward under the leadership of this commander. This commander who goes forward by faith. Now this series is not about you becoming Joshua and slaying the Canaanites in your life. You're not Joshua. But what we are going to see is our need for a Savior. Inspiring leaders will come and go. They will die and new ones will take their place. Pastors come, pastors go. It's not inspiring leaders that save us. It's Christ. Christ saves us. We are saved through Christ. And Joshua 1 recounts an encouraging moment between Joshua and the people of Israel. We are filled with excitement because everyone is saying, yes, we're all going to go. No one's going to hang back. We are with you. But we know it's not going to last. The next book after Joshua is an R-rated movie kind of book. It is disturbing and recounts some of the darkest and perverted things the human heart can do. And maybe if, if I have an opportunity in the future, we can dive in. Well, I don't know if promising a sermon from Judges is wise. Um, The human heart is an idol factory and seeks to worship whatever makes it happy. And the book of Judges plays that out to a T. Joshua points us to Christ. It is only through Christ that we can prevail over our sin and the battle that is before us. Each day putting to death our sin. Joshua hoped in what the Lord could do. We hope in what the Lord has done. Where Joshua is encouraged to go forward into the promised land, Christ goes of his own free will to the cross, parting the divide between us and the Father. And we aren't looking forward to a land flowing with milk and honey, but we are looking forward to a new creation and a new kingdom, a place where we need no temple, for God is our temple, a place where we need no light, for God is our light. A place where we, where we will enjoy a wedding feast and a banquet that will never end and every day is better than the last. Take heart, brothers and sisters. Be courageous and stand firm on the promises of the Lord and His Word. That as we go forth into an unbelieving world, we would be strengthened. That we would be strengthened to do the work that God has set before us. Going out, finding the lost, and bringing them back to Him. May we answer the call to go forward, replying to the Lord, Here I am, send me. Let's pray. Lord, You carried Your people to a land that was for them. And as we think on Your great mercy, we ask that You would help us to be encouraged. Encourage us to go forward into this world, to find those who are lost, and bring them back to You. We thank you that you sent your son to take away the punishments for our sin. And we ask that you would revive us again for your glory. Lord, I pray that you would bless Beacon Light Church. I thank you I have this opportunity to be with them during this month. I pray that you would encourage them to strive for your gospel. To go forth into this world and to bring lost back to you. 
in the same way that you have brought us back to you. For it is in you that we have our hope. It is in you that we have our trust. And it is only because of you that we stand here today and praise you. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you first loved us and that you call us your own. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.